Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Just a quick note before we get started that this episode is part of our Blast from the Past series where we spotlight one of the amazing members of the LA Tech ecosystem from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking for more great LA Tech content, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of conversations to choose from. Enjoy the episode. Basically need to show people that you can do real work, right? And not just that like, oh, I went to boot camp and I know how to code. That like, Hey, here's code that I did, and you can actually look at it. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I am so stoked to be in Santa Monica, and I am here by serendipitously meeting Matt. Matt, do you go by Matt or Matthew? Matthew. Matthew. Okay, sorry. So, here meeting Matthew. Okay, so I was sitting in my car in um at the beach. I don't even remember what I was doing, to be honest. And I see these guys with a video camera and I had to ask, what's going on? And that is how I met Matthew, who turns out to be an engineer who moved to L.A. when? Uh, Literally a month ago. Right? Yep. It's great. It's so Brand crazy. New. So we're going to dig deep into a story about what brought him to Los Angeles, how, what his journey's been like being an engineer and an L.A. tech talent Welcome, hey. Matthew. <laughs> nice to be here. I hear you said you you listen to a lot of podcasts. What I are do. some What are some of the podcasts? Um, there's a lot of. I mean, honestly, not a whole lot of tech podcasts. Yeah. it's more like a one off thing. But I do li- listen to uh, Syntax. Yeah, uh, which is kind of the podcast for front end developers. Cool. Uh, that's a great one if uh, you're interested and you haven't heard it. And uh, a lot of uh, like comedy podcasts. Um. You know, like uh, Mark Marin, Mark Marin, uh, Dan Savage. What's that guy that everybody likes? Joe. Uh, Joe Rogan. Joe yes. Rogan, yep. yeah. Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, there's a podcast network uh, called Maximum Fun that has a lot of great uh, educational and comedy podcasts that Rad. I love. Rad. Yeah. Rad. So go ahead and formally introduce yourself to all of us um, and tell us a little bit about what you're about. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my name is Matthew, Matthew Williams. Uh, I am brand new to L.A., but I've been in California for a little bit, uh, and I was in San Francisco previously. But to kind of walk you up to that point, um, long time ago, I had a degree in uh, psychology, and I was working in uh, Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon for a little bit. Right. Kind of hit a glass ceiling, if you will, in terms of career advancement. Um, my last job before development was uh, working at a psychiatric facility, a secure psychiatric facility, uh, which means I can leave, but the patients can't. This is crazy. Yeah. And uh, I was, I think my official title was behavioral specialist, treatment specialist. Right. Um, but yeah, it's one of those careers where like uh, with a bachelor's degree, you just can't go that far. And I saw my friends getting their master's coming back. Right. Working the same exact job. And you weren't an engineer at this point? No, no, no. How I, old were you? Um, that wasn't that long ago. I must have been 27. Okay. I'm 32 now. Cool. So, um, but yeah, so I think I was making 1350 an hour. Um, and that was treating like oh bipolar and he schizophrenic so patients. Much more as an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was crazy. Um, 
And so I just kind of felt like I couldn't move up my career. Uh, I could get my doctorate, go back to school for like four years, spend, you know, almost $100,000 to go to a good school, or I could go to boot camp. And I think that was at the time 3500 bucks and three months of my time. And which boot camp did you choose? Uh, this was in Portland, Oregon, and it was called Epicotus. Epicotus. Cool. Yeah. Um, by Michael, I forget who runs it, Michael something. I think he may have actually sold the company. Before we move forward in your story, just for a second, I know you guys are killing me right now. You're like, what? Is Spree, stop interrupting him. I have to know. What's one huge thing you learned from working in a psychiatric ward? Mm, about people or just about? Just about life, about people, anything that we normally wouldn't recognize because we're not usually in that life situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, if I'm going to jump into psychology, because this was a big eye opener for me, is I'm sure, you know, maybe you haven't studied psychology, but, you know, you've read, you know, you know in your head what schizophrenia is, or you've seen a movie about it, or, you know, maybe Beautiful Mind or something. But right. everybody is so different that, like, their mental illness and something like schizophrenia is very personalized to them. And right. you can't, no book can tell you what's about because it's it's really what develops out of that person's brain, you know? Um, and that, too, that, like, there's always going to be the person underneath the mental illness. Right. Um, and so it doesn't, you have to kind of always separate them. Um, you can't just see them as, like, oh, this person's crazy. Yeah. You have to see, like, this is a normal person who's got this thing on top of them that makes them crazy. Um, and that's kind of how you want to treat people. You want to get them back to that point. I mean, you could you could say the same thing about, entrepreneurs and people in the startup world yeah. this is a normal person <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then they just have this thing on top that makes them a little crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you go through your boot camp mm -hmm. and then um so yeah it's um and if anyone hasn't done a boot camp before uh it's very self-directed yeah uh you basically have mentors that kind of just show you the way uh but you do a lot of the work yourself or with partners and things pair programming um, but yeah, I think it just kind of gave me a base. Right. And the best part about Epicotus, and if you're going to do a boot camp, I would recommend finding one that does this, is they guarantee you an internship uh, with like a local company. Right. So, uh, you know, the internship's only like a month. Right. Uh, it's not guaranteed any more than that. You're not actually getting paid. Uh, but yeah, like I got some real experience with a Portland small um, startup incubator company. Uh, called IQ Lab. Right. Uh, they're just like a, a freelance web dev studio. Um, but yeah, they liked me enough where they hired me. And I think even if they didn't, I would have been able to take that experience on my resume and right. go find another uh, kind of equal level job. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And um, what did you find, because you were completely new to the dev world, what did you find was the most challenging in diving in for the first time? Um, I think the most challenging thing is when you start, at least for me, not knowing really anything about programming when I first started, is you kind of think like, oh, the thing they teach me in school, the thing I learned about is going to be what I'm going to be using once I get out in the real world. But right. it's not like technology changes so much, you know, yeah. every year, especially front end tech. Uh, you're always going to be using something different. Or if you have used something, they're going to apply it in a different way. You know, they're going to have... Um, different syntax or best practices right. or different packages and stuff that they use. Um, so yeah, just kind of like learning that to be a good programmer, you're not learning, like you don't just learn Ruby and I'm just a Ruby developer. You just learn coding. You just learn how to be a good programmer. Totally. And if you do it right, you should be able to apply yourself to anything. Before all of this, before like I made it sound like I've been working in psych for a long time. I wasn't. That was like a year that I did that. 
Um, I was very down on my luck. I had like nowhere to go. I was working at Target, the you know the Target yeah. retail store. Yeah. Uh, not like in like a corporate job. I was right. stocking shelves right. and cleaning up whatever's on the floor. Uh, I think I was making nine twenty five. Um, you know what's so powerful is the legit. How'd you discover the boot camp? This was honestly, if I, I've been trying to remember this for myself too. I think I just went on a date with a girl who was going to a boot camp, and I think she wanted to do video game design or something. And it wasn't the same boot camp yeah. I went to, but it's just like, huh? And she got a job, and I was like, oh. That was easy. Like you only did that for three months. I had to go to college for like four years. I just think that that it is so amazing. Like I have I have a personal relationship with both Hack Reactor and Sabio. Like I know the people who run them, and I think they're really cool. And they, I haven't personally been through a boot camp. I've been through my own learning experiences, and they tell me all the time, and I hear from the students all the time what an impact it creates. But hearing your story, going legit from knowing nothing about tech and not nope. even being in the tech world. Nope. To just discovering a boot camp and it absolutely changes your life. I don't know. The way you shared it, it's just really yeah, it's crazy. moving. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm, I'm afraid to like tell people that because it's not like a get rich quick scheme. No, you know? not at all. Like you're not just like, oh, but go to this boot camp and you're going to be given, you know, like a six figure salary. No. Like, you really have to work it. Like, uh, honestly, like a lot of things in life. Um, so you have to kind of like, if you, if you don't find it exciting. Yeah. Um, and if you don't find it interesting, don't force yourself to do it. I don't right. think you're going to get where you want to. But if you like go to boot camp and it's cool, yeah, you're probably going to do pretty well. Like I think as long as you're interested and to yeah. continue to learn, like it's there's. I mean the the web was made by developers, right? So anything you want to find out about programming development, it's all there. Yeah, and like that's the biggest thing is you've had a question, just Google it and you'll probably find the answer. It, it's 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 incredible. I think it's so cool. I think. It's not about a get-rich-quick scheme. I think that you were able to embark on a life that was more meaningful for you. Oh, for sure. That Where you were able to discover your passion. It was meaningful. Uh, I mean, that's why I do We Are Late Tech. I feel that I serve a purpose larger than myself every day. It's When we do something that doesn't feel like we're contributing to the world, It, I think it, that kind of makes us stuck. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, there's a lot of jobs like my psych job where like you said, contribute, uh, contributing. Yeah. Um, but for me, what I was looking for and I didn't know it yeah. was I'm a creator. Right. You know, I want to create something and obviously working at Target, I'm not creating anything. And right. in my psych job, I'm helping people and I'm contributing to their wellness, but I'm not creating anything. Right. Um, and even though I didn't become an artist, this was, this was the good fit for me. Right. Cause I could create things that people could use and I could interact with those people. Um, but I could do it in a way that like was, you know, I'm kind of nerdy. So this is like the geek version of like creation. Yeah. No, I mean, duh, like, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> and then and then, OK, so you go through the boot camp, you go through your internship mm-hmm. and then what happens? And you're um, still in Portland at this time. Yeah. And so now I'm on a paid internship. Yeah. Um, and um, I keep working with that company. I think it's like six people at the time, real small company. Yeah, a startup. Yeah. Um, and I'm a full stack developer at this point, but they really like me. I and kinda... what is a full stack developer just for people that don't know? Sure. So uh, development is kind of traditionally seen having two ends. The front end developer that, as I like to say, uh, does everything you can see on a website. If you right. can see it, then the front end developer has some hand in it. Back end developer, like the name is 
on the back end behind the scenes. Right. Um, you know, managing the servers and all of the logic that goes behind everything to deliver what you see on the front end. Right. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So they love you. Yeah. So they love me. Um, it's an awesome company. I worked there for almost three years. Um, it was a really good fit. I do feel like they always kind of had that startup vibe. Um, at a certain point, I kind of wanted to get out of Portland. Right. Um, wanted to make a little bit more money. Yeah. Wanted to work for a company that was uh, had a little more, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess a little more professional. Um, more structure? Really, yeah, more structure. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And just kind of like, I want to work on something big. Right, right. So uh, in Portland, there's a company called New Relic. Okay. Um, that does application monitoring. Um, for example, if your website goes down, they let you know. Yeah. Or you want to see how your website's performing, they let you know. Right. Um, and they have a company in San Francisco, too. We're not hiring in Portland. We're hiring in San Francisco. So I interviewed in uh, Portland, but then I got the job in SF. Amazing. Flew down. Right. Um, and now I'm in SF. Got this big new job. Very corporate-y. Right. Very different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a little scary at first. Uh, kind of going from this just like what you felt like is just a bunch of group of friends yeah. <laughs> programming together, you know, like, uh, I, I mean, we could, you could wear your pajamas or a swimsuit to my old job and no right? one would care. Um, but now, um, not like you're in a suit and tie or anything, but you know, there's a little more, yeah. uh, professional like decor, totally. uh, and how you talk and everything and how you present yourself. Um, so yeah, that was a big change for me. And, uh. I'm just trying to think. It's more Microsoft-esque. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go so far. Um, I know they're they're pretty intense at Microsoft that I heard. But yeah, you're right. It's a little more, you know, serious, I yeah. guess is the right word. Yeah. Um, and security and things like that is a bigger deal, totally. right? Like if, you know, we have uh, some kind of bug or something in uh, IQ Lab, it's not the end of the world. But like if you have a bug uh, and you really like you're affecting like, you know, thousands and thousands of users. Um so, yeah, everything's a little more, like, intense and, you know, the reviews of your code and stuff are more important. But, you know, um, that just makes you kind of, like, rise up to the occasion and uh, improve your own code and, you know, totally. make sure you don't release anything. So, so you're at New Relic in San Francisco. Yep. And then what happens? Yep. So I'm there for a year. I don't know. I guess I'll go into a little bit. As a full stack developer. Yeah, still full stack developer, but still kind of like a front end specialist. Yeah. Um, and in fact, while I was there, my title transition to UI engineer. Nice. Yeah, thank you. And actually, we can get into that, but that title, I think, helped me get a job down here a lot. Um, just being, like, specialized. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of silly. No, it's not silly. It makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Yeah. It's good to know. But I think, I guess why I said silly is because you can kind of call yourself anything. Anything, and it kind of <laughs> means the same thing. Like, right. am I a software engineer? Am I a front-end developer? Right. My UI engineer, it's kind of like, what do you want to describe you? Right. Like, I would put UI engineer on, like, the other side of software engineer. Right. Like, UI, you're just focused on visuals. Software engineer, that sounds like you can do kind of anything. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so about a year in, uh, some, some, some drama happens. What happened? So, uh, my engineering manager uh, started buttheads with our lead engineer, the principal engineer on our yeah. team, um, over something so silly as pair programming. Okay. And if no one knows what pair programming is, that's when uh, two people uh, are using one keyboard, one monitor yeah. to program, and you kind of take turns. But it's a way of, like, two developers or engineers to, like, kind of look at the same code at the same time and, like, right. help each other out. 
Um, but the principal engineer wanted more pair programming. The engineering manager did not. Yeah. This was such a point of contention that he fired the lead engineer. And that started like a chain reaction of everyone getting upset. Uh, and nobody knew what was happening because they didn't actually <laughs> tell us this. We had yeah. to find out later. Um, and yeah, we lost our lead engineer and then two other people left because of that decision, some other things they didn't like. And so, uh, we went from like a five man team, um, in a big company yeah. to a one man team that was just me, no. a PM and a software engineer. No. You know, so at this point I'm like, That's a okay. lot to carry on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I feel like, you know, the whole, like for me, a team is a big deal. Yeah. Like that's, like when I interview, I'm interviewing like the, the people I'm yeah. with. Um, and those people are now gone. Right, right. Now I don't have anyone to work with right, myself. Right. So I just decided to kind of jump ship with everybody else. Um, I had always wanted to kind of get down what to LA and wild, San Wait, if we could take just a moment. Yep. What a wild kind of learning moment. That's such a, like a classic term. But to think that because this manager essentially made a poor managerial decision or at least didn't communicate with the rest of the team well, it created this domino effect where literally the whole dev team left. Right. And if you think about it for a second, after, I left, after I left, it was just the engineering manager. And I don't know what he does anymore because he doesn't have any team <laughs> to manage. That's so wild. It's it because no matter, I mean, how big is this company? How many employees overall? Um, I think it's something around like 2,500 employees. Right. And so we think as startups that once we get to a certain level, we have everything figured out. But obviously that's not true because there's always something that comes up. Right. I mean, I even had the conversation the other day with a COO about how, um, even companies like Google and and Twitter, like huge companies, have a problem with uh, processes potentially because most of the people who work there are creatives and you have a lot of daydreamer types and you need to have a lot of process people to put the daydreamers in check. Right. And sometimes that gets forgotten. And um, I, I don't know if those two companies specifically, but larger companies of that scale have these kinds of issues sometimes. And so it's just really, it's really fascinating yeah, there's never a point where everything's just like smooth no, sailing. no, and you can't. It's like <laughs> one of those things you just can't have your cake and eat it too, right? And then the other thing I learned too is like you think like a whole company is the same culture, right, and the same management throughout the whole company, yeah. but I don't think that's ever the case. Like oh. it's really like when you interview, just like think about the the microculture of like your team or your department because that's what it's going to be like. Um, because I feel like our team was very different. Some ways good, some ways bad, yeah. than the rest of the company. So interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Okay, so so you you leave, you yep. jump ship. Jump ship. And now what happens? So now I need a job. Yeah. And I need health insurance. Um, <laughs> and I kind of knew this was coming. Especially you know, in this country. I, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to, you know, honestly, I was still looking in San Francisco, but I'm a big proponent of the sun. I used to live yeah. in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Um, I was like, San Francisco is a little colder than I thought. Uh, a little more rainy. Yeah. So I want to go to LA or San Diego. Yeah. Those were the two I was shooting for. Um, and I also want a different kind of company, uh, less of a, you know, big kind of corporate New Relic type of company. Right. Um, and more of like a startup, but I'm trying to go in for that Goldilocks where it's yeah, a startup, yeah, yeah. but it's a little more structured right, right. than like a grown up startup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my target demographic. And, uh, I shot, man, I went to like, and here's, here's a, I guess, a lesson is like just the more the merrier when it comes to interviewing. Like right. if you think you can handle it on your plate, yeah, just fire off your resume to like as many as you can right. get away with. Because I interviewed with about 20 different companies 
um, some big ones like Twitter yeah. and uh, uh, Netflix yeah. and Twitch, if you've ever yeah. heard of that. Um, Twitch? Yes. It's, Twitch has been around for a while. And you guys, we're not going to get into Twitch. But Twitch is the new new right now. Oh, yeah. Even though it's the old old, yeah. it's the new new. Yeah, they're just continually getting bigger and bigger. You guys... Pay attention to Twitch if you're not paying attention. To, like a lot of YouTubers are moving to Twitch. Twitch is doing some things that I think we should all um, know about. Okay, go right. ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interviewed with a ton of companies. And like I said, some in SF, some down south. Um, and it kind of helped me figure out like what I wanted. Because right. in my head, I had the idea. But it's so kind of attractive to go for something like, oh, these people know. Like if I right. say I work in Netflix, I can tell my non-tech friends. They're like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You know? Like, can you get me a free subscription or something? Right, right. Yeah. Um, but at least for me, when I went to go interview those companies, the stuff they were going to have me work on was very um, uh, internal. Right. So no one would ever really see it on the outside. I didn't really have any design that was a big thing for me. Right. Yeah, it just, I guess, wasn't what I was looking for. Right. Um, so I kind of passed on those. Um, so I went for, um, and they were both in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, I think the ones, yeah, the ones down here actually were like the final contenders for right. Chow Now. Yeah. That's where I ended up. Yeah. Uh, Thrive Market. Um, Good which, one. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have, man, they have amazing design. Um, and was, tell us what Thrive Market does for those of. Yeah. So they're like, I guess the quickest way to say it is they're the online Whole Foods kind of their own unique brands, right. but then they also do a bunch of other third-party brands. Um, and they deliver things even like, you know, fresh meat and stuff to your mm -hmm. door. Uh, real cool company. Um, I guess for me, it just wasn't the type of culture I was looking for. Right. Um, I need something a little more like team collaborative, a little more kind of loud. Right. And one note I want to make on you sharing that is something – to know is just because you share it wasn't the culture for you doesn't mean they had a bad culture. For instance, culture can be, do you allow pets? And if you're allergic to dogs, you don't want to work for that company. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a ton of things that a company can set in place to define what their own personal culture is. And then you identify with the one that's best. Like we were talking about Apple has more like an erratic, everybody for their, for their, for themselves culture and someone who's super structured wouldn't like that. And so, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. And I think the biggest Am one. Am I on point with oh, that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think the biggest one I hear is that, uh, like me, I'm a very, like, like I say, collaborative, creative team kind of person. So, yeah. like, I hear so many people, like, too many meetings. I just yeah. want to get to work. No, I love meetings. Like, I want to talk I about things. Del does yeah. That. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, like, I want a team where I'm constantly interchanging with people, yeah. talking to people. But some people, like, you know, they want a little, like, they want to be able to put on their headphones. They want yeah. to kind of get in the zone. Right. Um, and there's a lot of companies like that, too. Uh, totally. But you just got to find out what you want. Right. Um, and then the other company was down in San Diego. Uh, that was the third one. And that was Mind Body, which is the oh, fitness. Oh, fitness. Yeah. yeah. Super cool company. It was a very hard decision to choose between the two. Mind Body does, like, essentially, it powers fitness scheduling for all the studios oh, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. But, yeah, so... Chose between those. Chose Chow Now. Uh, it's a great company. Yeah. Um, I love the people there. I think that's the biggest thing for me. They have a great designer. Um, they have a really, really good track record. I think if you go on Glassdoor, yeah. um, and you should always check the Glassdoor reviews for a company. But I think it's like 4.7 out of 5. Really oh, good Oh, that's reviews. really high. Yeah, and like yeah. tons of reviews too. 
Um, and so it's like a, they really care about the employees. So I got the Jabba Chow now. Um, so if nobody has heard of them before, and I feel like a lot of people haven't because they're kind of behind the scenes. Um, they are very much like Grubhub or Uber Eats, or all those like food delivery companies. But the difference and why kind of Chow Now is like, uh, you know, defending the little guy and like more, I guess, better for the world is uh, Chow Now gives the tools to these companies to kind of do their own online delivery service. Whereas, and I guess cut out the middleman because like Grubhub or Uber Eats, they give you the driver to right. actually deliver the food. Uh, and what a lot of people don't know is they take, their, I think, 30% depending on the company. Right. Um, and the margins for like these restaurants, especially the smaller ones, is so mm. thin that they're really not making that much money at all. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. Sad, <laughs> right? I'm all for the mom and pops. <laughs> yeah. So what we do is we go to those mom and pops and say like, hey, we know you're not making any money on these. Um, you know, we're going to give you a product where you can have that like online menu um, you can have the delivery service where we're going to tell you, like, what's being ordered, how to fill it out. We're yeah. going to give you a little, little tablet to, like, actually fill those orders right. on. And so now you can actually, you know, make the order. Who's give it the driver? The drivers, their drivers. So they hire their own drivers, but they have the same kind of on-demand functionality. Exactly. That, that's cool. Yeah. And um, the current product, and I can talk about this because it is public, even though it's in beta, um, is going to be um, a discovery marketplace right. for Chow Now, um, where essentially, uh, like you would open up uh, Uber Eats or Grubhub and you see the restaurants on there. Right. We're going to have that now. So now these restaurants can not only have it on their own sites, where it was originally, so you yeah. go to like Poppy's Pizza or something. Right, like, right. And then you hit order and then our menu would come up. Right. Now you can go on Discover and actually search for pizza and Poppy's Pizza might come up. I don't actually know what Poppy's Pizza is. That was <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you said Poppy's Pizza. However, I heard Puppy's Pizza. Puppy's pizza. And I was like, puppies love pizza too. Puppies do love pizza. Puppies love a lot of food. Where can we find out more about Chow Now? Uh, so if you want to find anything about Chow Now, go to chownow.com. If you want to check out the marketplace I was talking about, go to eat.chownow.com. And it sounds like Chow Now is really, I don't know if I'm being too Pisces saying this, but really an advocate for the mom and pop. It is. Oh, it totally yay. is. Yeah, okay, cool. it super is. And I'm I think, such a world saver. <laughs> uh, like when you make your first order, they even send you a little email that's like, you know, hurrah, like you're helping the little guy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally. Yeah. Wait, so, okay. I'm so sappy right now. So I could, as a consumer, I could install Chow Now right now. Um, uh, yeah, there's a, a Chow Now app. You can yeah. download the app store. And a lot of the time you're using a Chow Now app, you don't realize it because it looks like whatever restaurant you want to go to. Um, so, so I'm not actually using Chow Now. I'm using the restaurant's app. App, or you're using their website. Um, but in addition to that, there's also an actual Chow Now app. It's Rad. like the marketplace where it just has everything on it. You guys, let's all of us in LA use Chow Now app yeah, so no, we yeah. can support the local mom and pop. Plus, Uber Eats is wicked expensive. Super expensive. I don't need McDonald's for 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we should all use Chow Now. I think that'd be rad. I'm so about the mom. I mean, essentially, isn't that what a startup is? We're all mom and pops without the children. Yeah, we are. (laughs) We are the children of the mom and pops. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's so cool, Matthew. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. What would you say is one thing you've discovered? One, I found it really inspiring to go from not being in the tech world to immersing yourself in the tech world post-19. 
what have you found? What what have you discovered about that in the process? Did you feel any friction? Like, oh, wait, you want to get into that now? It's too late or anything like that? What what kind of insights can you share with us how to just break past the barriers? Yeah, I think the hardest thing is just getting that first company, you know, like getting someone to like give you a chance. Yeah. It's like one of the hardest things you can do. Um, I got lucky, you know, with the internship yeah. and I don't think a lot of boot camps do that. Um, but the other things you can do is just do work for free, which yeah. always sounds scary. Yeah. And I know a lot of artist types are like, oh man, I've tried that and it doesn't get anywhere. But in the tech world, I think it's a little different. Um, those are things you can put in your portfolio and projects. Like you basically need to show people that you can do real work. A hundred percent. And not just that like, oh, I went to boot camp and I know how to code. They're like, hey, here's code that I did. And you can actually look at it and kind of dig into it. Totally. And find out. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will tell you, and this is true, go contribute to open source projects. Um, just go fix easy bugs on like open source projects or anything. Um, just kind of get get something made. And I'm not a programmer, but do you do that on GitHub? Yes, that's right. Very good. For not a programmer, that was pretty good. Um, two resources that are rad. Hack Reactor is an amazing um, engineering boot camp that also offers internships at the end. And um, and Sabio is an amazing one. And I believe Hack Reactor is in West LA and Sabio is in Orange County um, that offers internship at the end. And then my friend, Charlie Hohen, who does not live in LA, he lives... I don't know where he lives these days. But anyway, he wrote a whole book on how to parlay doing free work for reputable organizations and people into making it a full-time living. And so he's a huge proponent for, you know, really investing your time in a smart, strategic way, but setting boundaries so you're not giving away your goods for free forever, but you're doing it, like Matthew said, to build your resume, build your portfolio. I think we've all done that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you really got to just pat it out. You know, yeah, everyone, I think, yeah, put ego aside. Yeah, everyone <laughs> has that moment when they're filling out the resume and they're like, they've done like half a page and they're like, I got nothing left. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, just get that filler. Yeah, because I, I mean, think about it. Would you want to hire you if you didn't know what you were doing? No, yeah. <laughs> so so it's it's kind of like you're offering an internship to companies that weren't otherwise looking to hire an intern, but they'd consider it because you presented it in that way. Yeah. Did you say and, that's right? And yeah. you work for free. Yeah, uh, just yeah. helps too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much. How can people connect with you further? Um, yeah, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn at, uh, I think it's just LinkedIn slash IN slash MattWilliams85, or you can go to my portfolio site, which is findmatthew.com. Um, yeah, and just hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Findmatthew.com. Yeah, there's, there's a lot That's of, awesome. uh, <laughs> thank you. I had to get kind of creative. There's a lot of Matthews out there. And Carl, our awesome teammate, will include all of Matthew's links in the show notes. So just look there and you will be able to find, what, what was it, Matthew? Find, find find Matthew. If you want to find Matthew, just go to findmatthew.com. No, literally, it's find Matthew. Literally findmatthew.com. How did you even get that URL? I don't know. I got lucky. It's <laughs> amazing. What's a built-in Ruby? Uh, no. I think this one is... Either React or pure JavaScript. It's been a while since I looked at the code. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, you guys have a great rest of day. I will see you guys, hear you guys, talk to you guys in the next episode. If you want to collaborate with more extraordinary people in LA Tech, remember to go to the We Are LA Tech private chat 
wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. And you can say hello at wearelatech on all the socials. Bye. See ya. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. Wearelatech.com slash shop represent. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.